Hello, and welcome to the Dr. Nurse Mama Show, prescribing hope for healthy families here on American Family Radio. Here's your host, professor, pediatric nurse practitioner, and mom of four, Dr. Jessica Peck. Well, hello, friends. Happy, happy Monday. I hope that wherever you are, you're having a great day, whether you are driving down the road or you're in the carpool line, you're at work, you're at home. We have we are going to prescribe hope for healthy families today. And I have not one, but two guests for you today. This is a special treat for us. We are joined by two guests who are going to talk with us about the Collegiate Day of Prayer. Now, did you know this was happening this week? This is a national movement to pray for students who are on college campuses across the nation. And joining me today is Dr. Charles Ramsey. He graduated from Baylor University in 1997 as a university scholar, and he received his MA from the Department of Religion in 2000 and a PhD from the University of Birmingham in the UK, not Alabama, in 2015. Before he started working as an as associate chaplain, Dr. Ramsey was the director of Baptist Student Ministries at Baylor. We also have a friend of the show, Jason Palmer. He joined the University of Mary Hardin Baylor family in August 2019 as Dean of Spiritual Life and University Chaplain. He is an ordained Baptist minister, a retired U.S. Army chaplain, a PhD senior resident at at New Orleans Baptist Theological Seminary, majoring in Christian leadership, and he was chaplain for Williamson County Sheriff's Office. And they are both here. You can catch my previous show with Jason, where we talked about all things family and raising kids and having college kids. And today we're going to be talking about the Collegiate Day of Prayer. So Charles and Jason, thank you both so much for joining us today. Thank you very much. I'm honored. Thank you. Well, Charles, let's start with you. Tell us about your story, how you came to know the Lord, and how you ended up being at Baylor University. Oh, well, that's that's one of my, my favorite topics ever to talk about. And uh, unfortunately, I still kind of tear up when I tell my story. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I was one of those kids who grew up in church, and my parents were actually missionaries to Brazil. So, uh, they, my parents met here at Baylor, so uh, they have some deep roots here. Uh, in fact, my my office is about 20 yards from my great grandmother's house. So uh, I'm I'm uh, that's amazing. I feel like one of those who, who came back home to discover their roots. But I grew up in, and lived overseas uh, all my childhood was down there. It was a wonderful childhood. But as many teenagers do, as they come into that phase of life, lots of questions, lots of change, lots of doubt and insecurity. And by the time I came to college, I had spiritually checked out. And I was at a place of uh, where my questions were overwhelming and my loneliness was confusing. And, and as I was uh, searching for answers, I found myself in a very dark and sad place. And uh, But God... Uh, and and it's amazing to think it's, I, you can't script a story like this. But I, I was a smart kid. I was a smart kid, and I got a scholarship to go to China. This was 1996, and I'm in China studying. This is before the internet, so <laughs> bored to death. And I got a knock on the door as a Chinese doctor, and he started inviting me to teach English. But he was a strong believer in Jesus Christ, 
and he was praying for me, and he challenged me to read the Bible, and he started asking me questions about my faith. And during that year, during that junior year of college, when I was actually studying abroad, um, I, I came to a faith of my own uh, in Jesus, and that just changed my life. It was like it's like my compass got set right, and, and uh, I had peace in my heart. I had answers to my questions. And it's beautiful to see how God kind of ordained those days uh, for me to, to find those answers and to receive that peace uh, and to come home, uh, come home here to Waco and have that senior year uh, still in Waco to be discipled and to be in a church. And that just totally changed my life trajectory, gave me hope and peace and uh, placed me on a firm foundation. Of course, from there, uh, I was ruined for anything else. I just I just wanted <laughs> to serve the Lord. Uh, I, I'd been planning to go into law, but um, after that, I just, you know, anything that was going to take me uh, into serving the church and being with God's people, that's what I, what I long to do. Well, Charles, that's such a good story. But God stories are my favorite in the history of ever. I actually wrote about that in my book that I wrote, uh, Behind Closed Doors, A Guide for Parents and Teens to Navigate Through Life's Toughest Issues. And every chapter has a but God Easter egg is what I call it. I love that. And I'll just share with you really briefly that I had my own but God story, even in coming to Baylor University, where I do teach now. And it's funny because, you know, no woman in my family had gone to college. And I visited Baylor once when I was probably in junior high on some church trip. And I thought, oh, I really want to go here. And so somebody at church told me, well, if you're involved in this Actines program, for those of you, you may remember all of that program with Queen and Queen Regent and Queen Regent with Scepter, you can get a scholarship. And in my naive mind, as you said, um, Charles, <clears throat> before the internet, right, we were not as well informed. I thought, oh, I'll go to Baylor. And I did the program and I didn't realize $1,000 was not enough to go to college, not even close. And, you know, I looked at that and I, I did not go, I did not go to Baylor. I went to community college, but God now has seen to give me, I've in my fifth year there now, and which is way longer than I had planned to spend there as an undergraduate student. So I just love that. Well, Jason, why don't you tell us your story and how you came to be a chaplain at a university? That's a great question. Um, my parents were both raised in uh, nominally Christian homes, but did not come to faith in Christ in, in a meaningful and lasting way until they had both suffered from divorces early in their respective adulthoods. And it was really through the pain of walking through that, seeking the Lord, finding the Lord and one another and becoming married that by the time I arrived, all I knew was two young believers who were striving to know the Lord and to see him manifested in their family. And I was really giving the, given the privilege of learning from the difficulty and pain of divorce without actually having to watch my own parents walk through that personally. Um, I, would, I would come to the faith in Christ when I was seven years old. I would walk through my teenage years, and, and like many who are both listening and, and talking right now, we all had some struggle points where we had to make our faith our own. And um, after a couple of years of serving in the military, I just began to hear God reiterate that call to vocational ministry, but I didn't know what that would look like. 
And finally, my sweet wife, uh, she pulled me over to the side of the road one day and just said, hey, would you stop talking about seminary and either do it or don't do it, and I'll follow you wherever you would, wherever you think the Lord's leading us. And with her swift kick in the shorts, I signed up for my first (laughs) seminary class, and I was assigned to a submarine at this time. So I was deployed in my second semester. Um, I'd taken Hebrew my first semester. I was translating Genesis 12 through 36 in my second semester. So we would be deployed. 400 feet under the ocean, I would be translating things, and I'd be preparing my homework for the next link up with a tugboat so that I could mail it in and see if I had translated it correctly or not. Um, it, it sure did shape my expectations when COVID came around, and you know people were concerned about about synchronous and asynchronous education. And I said, until there's a tugboat involved, I don't want to hear it. Um, but we we certainly enjoyed our time through seminary. Um, that did include Hurricane Katrina uh, that flooded our home while we were stationed in New Orleans. But through all that process, I just heard God reiterating over and over again, would you still follow me, uh, even if all your friends said, what in the world are you doing? And so with that in mind, I felt him calling me out of a Navy that I loved into an Army chaplaincy that I came to love, served in that for 13 years. And as I shared with your listeners a few months back, um, at the end of, or right around the beginning of 2017, I met the president of Mary Harden Baylor on a very short plane ride and had no intent to see that as a reroute in my life. Um, I don't think he did either. And the next thing you know, God just would not release me from this burning call to serve a different set of young adults. Uh, I loved the ones wearing camouflage, and and, and now he was calling me to to serve those that had to match their clothes every day. Um, And I've had the privilege of doing that for four and a half years. Uh, We've got almost 4,000 students here at at Mary Harden Baylor, and what a treat it is to walk among them. Well, amen and amen. I am just feeling invigorated and inspired. This is a great Monday show, guys, <laughs> just to hear these. Both of you have such amazing but God stories, and both of you are working at a university setting. And I think that the university, in some sense, is the epicenter of cultural wars and looking at what is going on. There are people who are concerned, and we have young people who are being trained and taught in universities. And I was really personally excited to see this collegiate day of prayer, which, you know, we have other times where we have a national day of prayer, other calls to prayer, but this is specifically for colleges. And so Charles, what can you tell us about the collegiate day of prayer? Well, I can tell you that everything I've experienced so far has been uh, has been wonderful, and I'm inspired by it. I'm inspired by their leadership and their vision. And again, it's not that this has been going on every year for 200 years. I think it's important to realize that God has broken in in this season, in a time such as this, and brought attention uh, to churches and to ministries to the vital importance of the college campus. And I think exactly what you said— uh, so go the colleges, so goes the nation. This is where so much of the, the leadership of our country is being forged and shaped, their character, their priorities, their belief systems, their desire uh, for community, and the answers upon which they're going to build their lives. I mean, this is such a foundational time. Think about it. So many people meet their spouses here. They, they determine uh, steps in calling, steps in, in careers. There's so much going on. So let me back up. 200 years ago, groups of students at this time, mostly in those Ivy League schools that we hear about in the Northeast, uh, where, which were originally established to prepare ministers for the gospel. If we look at 
Most of our schools, when they began, they were formed, uh, at least in part, to prepare ministers for the gospel in the community. And it was in places like that where young believers uh, would, would have moments of, of coming together in prayer and have these awakenings. And I think that was essential to the, the, the formation of Christianity in the United States, was, was these colleges as centers of piety, of, of, of where students were gathering to seek God, to study Scripture. And so when we think through some of the, the great revivals of old or the great movements of God that we've, we've heard about, right, uh, they were tied often to these campus ministries. And so what was happening when they began this? Well, pastors agreed that they needed to pray for college students. And, and you know what? We need to do that today. We spend so much time emphasizing high school and middle school and child, early childhood, but by the time they leave at age 18, we kind of let them go. <laughs> yeah, we were convicted that even in our church, we don't, we don't do so much for them. But um, a long time ago, they realized the vital importance. They started something called Last Thursdays. They said, we're going to give the last Thursday of every month, and as pastors and church leaders, we're going to come together to pray for college students and for young adults. And that started happening. And from that type of unity in prayer, the idea of establishing a day, a day in the year when they would call for all of the churches across the United States to stop and pray uh, for this group, that's where it kind of came together and went on and it grew in strength. It grew in strength and it kept going until the World War uh, World War One, and then and in that period between World One and World War Two, there's a Great Depression. So amidst the other priorities, it, it fell out of favor. Maybe 15 years ago, uh, a group of campus ministers who are part of something uh, called um, Every Campus. That's over 120 organizations, and I bet if you're connected at all with with collegiate ministry, whether it's Campus Crusade for Christ or RUF or BSM or STUMO, I could go on the list. There's over 100 of them that are part of this. Um, that group started realizing the importance of coming together in prayer. And so they restarted the tradition, and it's been growing year to year. And then last year, we had the outpouring at Asbury. And that happened to coincide with the place that was selected, selected according to the sovereignty of God, long before anybody knew anything was going to happen, Asbury was selected as the place to host the Collegiate Day of Prayer last year. Well, Charles, I'm going to stop you. Charles, I'm going to stop you right there on that cliffhanger because we're coming up on a break. But do not go away because, listen, if you are discouraged about what you might think is going on on college campus, let me tell you, God is moving among young people today. And I am encouraged and inspired at the way that they are seeking God. And we'll tell you how you can do that, too, in just a minute when we come back. Last year, because of you, Preborn's network of clinics saw over 58,000 babies saved. Thank you to all who made this possible. Let's celebrate these precious babies. Daisy and her husband had decided they never wanted kids. And when she found out she was pregnant, she immediately thought abortion. But after she and her husband met her baby on ultrasound and heard the heartbeat, their hearts melted and they chose life. Her baby Jeffrey is healthy and beautiful and Daisy and her husband can't even imagine life without him. 
Each of these babies are truly miraculous, and every day, Preborn celebrates 200 miracles. $28 a month can be the difference between the life and death of a child. When a mother meets her baby on ultrasound and hears their heartbeat, it's a divine connection that doubles a baby's chance at life. Let's join together and help mothers choose life. Just dial pound 250 and say the keyword baby. That's pound 250 baby or visit preborn.com. That's preborn.com. You're listening to the Dr. Nurse Mama Show with Dr. Jessica Peck on American Family Radio. Well, hey, friends. Happy Monday. Welcome back. We are having an incredibly inspirational conversation with Dr. Charles Ramsey, who is associate chaplain at uh, Baylor University. And we have Jason Palmer, university chaplain at the University of Mary Hardin Baylor. And both of them shared their personal stories and call to ministry. And we were right in the middle of Charles telling us about Collegiate Day of Prayer and the history of that starting back more than 200 years. And Charles, I think we left right off at Asbury and you were talking about God divinely orchestrating, you know, the location, the time, and I want to hear the rest. Yes. So I, I think the whole world knows about what happened at Asbury uh, last year. Uh, I hear reports from just every corner of the globe uh, of God on the move there and how people were buying tickets and flying in, but students there uh, day and night seeking the Lord and just being caught up in that outpouring of the Holy Spirit in their midst as they saw God and repented and, and, and really just, uh, you know, that time in his presence. And what people don't realize is that maybe three years before that, the leaders of the Collegiate Day of Prayer were already putting things in place to be present on that same campus for the scheduled Collegiate Day of Prayer. And so the Collegiate Day of Prayer became the way that the two converged, and it kind of helped end the gathering there, but beginning what's next. And what we're experiencing here is the what's next, right? It's the what's next of what's happening. And so in the past 12 months, there has been continuous outbreaks on campuses all across the U.S. I mean, most recently at Florida State, when a pastor here in my town, here in Waco, named Jonathan Pocluda, shared the gospel in the basketball stadium, about 6,000 people in attendance there. Over 300 people gave their life to Christ that night and were baptized on campus. Something very similar to that happened at Auburn only a couple of months ago, where, again, it attracted national news. These were not things that were planned uh, and that were orchestrated by man. They're things that God brought about uh, in God's timing and God's way. And so what we're experiencing this year as we're coming into Collegiate Day of Prayer is, I think, the continued momentum of what we saw last year at Asbury. And we have that same faith. We have that same trust in the Lord. We say, Lord, why not here? Why not here? Why not in this generation? Now, as we're looking at something like Collegiate Day of Prayer, it's important to remember that it is not a festival. The goal of Collegiate Day of Prayer by design is not to bring uh, a million people to, to our small town, but rather it's to be a broadcast site from which others will adopt their local campus and will commit to pray, commit to serve, 
and commit to engage that campus with the gospel of Jesus Christ. So what it will look like here is a gathering primarily of Baylor students and of students from other schools like Mary Hart Baylor who can come and join us, but who will be uh, sharing testimonies, calling forth prayer, and worshiping the Lord, and others will join from their own towns, from their own homes, from their own campuses, calling for this web, this incredible web and network uh, of prayer and worship so that every campus in the United States can be prayed for with the hope that every campus can have a discipleship community and, and great partnership with churches. That is so encouraging and inspiring, Charles. And I actually, I heard Jonathan McCluda talking on Sunday about his experience at Florida State University. And, and he was even sharing how, you know, college campuses, they are ranked according to their party, you know, party schools are ranked. And you hear a lot of, of negative things, honestly, sometimes that come out of college campuses. And not to say that things are perfect and things never happen, but there are great things coming forth from young people today. And one of the things that you know, I really want to encourage people is that Gen Z really is an innovative, incredible group of people. And Jason, what is your experience? What are the good things that you see coming out of your college ministry and those students you're interacting with? What are ways that we can encourage people to say, you know, that there are great things in this generation? Yes. You know, this generation is such an inherently inspirable group of people, especially in large groups, to tackle things that they think are of significance, particularly eternally significant things. And I'm just so thankful, uh, not only for their characteristics, that uh, there are some amazingly endearable qualities to those things, but I'm going to also advocate for the amazing work of our local churches in being the catalysts for for that that uh, that that momentum being sustainable. What I mean by that is that it's the multi generational experience of the local church with the investment of our oldest believers and the opportunities to serve our youngest believers. It's in that context that these sorts of momentum generating events, I think, find their their sweetest place, and so. I'm praying for our local churches here in the Belton Temple area, like I am for the local churches around the nation and the world, that they would not be silent, but would lean into these opportunities to see the potential in our young adults, that they would write letters as, you know, as sweet grandparents can do, um, whether they know the, the young adult or not, just to, to, to encourage people through prayer and intercession and writing letters and, and asking to hear their testimonies in corporate for worship settings and in youth gatherings and and even in in elderly you know uh, uh, Sunday school classrooms I I just want there to be exchange of ideas in the context of the local church so that these aren't events that are isolated to just a generation of young adults but this is really something that can spread up and down the age spectrum and and both invigorate the local church and also receive the sustaining power of the local church as as the church tries to see this be manifested across our communities in the world. So I, I love the chance just to get to walk among people like this. At Mary Harden Baylor, since 1999, we've hosted an annual spring revival. So this one that's happening April 8th through 10th will actually be our 25th 
annual event started by my predecessor who came to us by way of Baylor University. So great connections between our universities. But that gentleman, Dr. George Lotherback, started that spring revival, and God has been outpouring himself in some really remarkable ways over the last quarter century as we've seen students give their hearts to Christ, be called out to vocational service, um, surrender to him in obedience and repentance, and make right relationships that were strained. Uh, we're so grateful for moves that we see on our campus, but also, like like Charlie said, uh, the things that we see around the nation, uh, they, they have many, many encouraging components. That is really encouraging to hear. And something that you said, I really want to hone in on for just a second, Jason. You encouraged grandparents to write letters to their college students, to their grandkids in general. And this is super interesting because in this generation and Gen Z and Gen Alpha, communication is so often digital and disposable. Everything is designed to be erased, to be deleted, to be thrown away. And Gen Z really has an affinity for what they call vintage things, which would include handwriting (laughs) that they think is vintage. (laughs) But this is really special. What a great opportunity for grandparents and parents to physically write out their prayers, to see a handwriting Mm -hmm. that is unique as a, as a, fingerprint. Our handwriting is so unique that we can be that way and send that to your kids for prayers they can read over and over again. Now, I think that kids are not generally going to go, oh, thank you so much. That was really life-changing. But they may fold it up and put it in their wallet. They may put it up on a bulletin board in their dorm. They may stick it in a textbook where it comes to them at a really important time. And so I encourage parents and grandparents and echo your call, Jason, to leave courageously in that and to pray over them. Don't wait for them to ask you to pray for them, but just say, how can I pray for you? How can I pray for you? I firmly believe every college student needs an intercessor. They need a prayer warrior who they can text at any time in any circumstance and just say, pray for me and know that that person is going to pray for them right then and there on the spot. So I, I, Prayer is so powerful. We cannot underestimate the power of what they need. And Charles, I want to talk with you more about the students and what this day is going to look like at Baylor and what you feel the momentum and the response from the students. Because I have been to worship events at Baylor, and I'll tell you, it is powerful to be among young people who are praying and singing and listening and seeking the Lord. And what will that day look like for them? And what kind of momentum do you feel coming from them? Oh, I agree with you. It is such a joy uh, to be uh, in their midst, to be listening to their prayers and, and singing with them. And, um, you know, we're, we're riding a, a kind of a wave of uh, of, of God's movement here at Baylor. And about five years ago, a group of students and campus ministries and, and churches, vital, vital partners, our churches, helped start something called Fountain Mall 72, FM 72, which is at the very heart of our campus. And it's four nights of uh, prayer uh, and teaching and worship, but that's accompanied with a big prayer tent. Um, it's, it's a massive 80 by 80 prayer tent that is literally... Uh, you know, with nonstop prayer, with students in there for 72 hours, day and night, through the night, praying, um, all kinds of participative experiences, 
some nights, you know, around 2 a.m., there'll be several hundred people in there praying. And then other times, about eight in the morning, there might be two or three of us in there. So, <laughs> but it's amazing to see the momentum uh, of students getting excited about Jesus and doing this in a public way, doing it in a way that says, you know, this is vital to me, and I want everybody in my life to know it. I want my roommates to know it. I want those in my sports club or in my sorority or fraternity to know. I want you to come with me to this time of worship and prayer. So it's an amazing kind of momentum that's been building up at Baylor the past five years. And so that is where our story merges with National Collegiate Day of Prayer. When they were praying and looking around at different options in the country, where is God at work and on what campuses, there was something about what was happening at Baylor that really stirred their hearts and seemed to to be right in line with what God was doing. And so that builds the momentum towards Collegiate Day of Prayer. And so many of those same students who lead at FM72 are going to be leading the Collegiate Day of Prayer. So when we gather that day in Waco Hall, which is our largest uh, meeting space on campus, about 2,200 students, you're going to have students uh, giving testimony. You're going to have students voicing prayer requests. And in the audience, uh, we're going to huddle. We're going to form groups of three, groups of six, and we're going to pray together uh, in one heart and often in one voice for those prayer requests. So it's going to be a time of celebration, and it's going to be a time of intercession. But that's not going to just happen on that night. you got to put it uh, into a larger perspective. Uh, throughout the year, we've been having every Thursday, we've been getting up early, and pastors from our city and people from our churches, oftentimes grandparents, have been coming for our early morning prayer for college students. And as we come into this uh, 40 days before it, we've had a prayer guide giving specific prayer points. Uh, for this day. And then as we came closer, we opened a prayer room here in town. That was, again, our church is collaborating, inviting different people from different churches to come together and pray. And as we're coming into the last few days, there are churches here in town uh, that have called for not only prayer, but prayer and fasting as well. So there's a lot of momentum coming into this. Uh, and, And as we get to the auditorium there, uh, for the 7 p.m. kickoff on Thursday night, uh, really, it's a, it's a convergence of, of many people from all around the country and all around the world crying out to God for this generation. I can hardly wait. I mean, really, I cannot wait. And, you know, this is not just for the students who are at Baylor University or University of Mary Hardin Baylor University. This is a cry for all all college students everywhere. And if you are listening and you are breathing and you have a beating heart, you can and should pray for college students. There's a verse in Revelation that describes the prayers of the saints that swirl in a a bowl before the throne of God, which is pretty amazing to me. Your prayer matters. So Charles, tell us how other people can engage and join in prayer for college students for this collegiate day of prayer, how and when should they pray? Wonderful. Well, I'd, I'd first emphasize that it's a live broadcast and it's free, so anybody anywhere can join. You can you can do this in your home. You can do it in your church. My parents who are in East Texas, uh, they're they're in their 80s, but they're gathering friends to to pray and to be a part of the broadcast. So you can be there. You can be online watching it uh, through every moment. 
You can also go to the Baylor Spiritual Life website. If you just type in Baylor Spiritual Life or Collegiate Day of Prayer Baylor, we have a set of prayer points for you. We call them the Bear Prayers. Uh, Right below it, there's a link to the Collegiate Day of Prayer National Prayer Guide that, again, gives you uh, devotional thoughts, also specific prayers. If you do Instagram or Facebook, again, through Baylor Spiritual Life, you can see members from our community. Some are Sunday school teachers, some are pastors, but they are praying right here on, on Instagram and Facebook praying for our students. So you can you can listen into those and pray with them. So these are prayer requests written by students being prayed for by people from our community. Um, and so last but not least, you can form uh, what we would call a parent engagement group. And there's a description of this. Now, we created that for Baylor, but you might want to create that for your own community. Or you might see that idea for those who are praying for young adults and college students in your community. Well, we are just getting started. You might think that's the end, but that's not the end. There's a lot more to talk about. When we come back, we're going to talk about what specific needs we're going to see Charles and Jason on behalf of the students they serve, what needs they are going to ask you, our listeners, to lift up on behalf of college students. And we will spend some time praying together for this amazing event that is happening this Thursday. Don't go away. We'll be right back. Podcasts of the Dr. Nurse Mama Show are available on the podcast page at AFR.net. Now, back to Dr. Jessica Peck on American Family Radio. Welcome back, friends. We have been having such an uplifting and inspiring conversation with Dr. Charles Ramsey, who is the associate chaplain at Baylor University, and Jason Palmer, who is the university chaplain at University of Mary Hardin Baylor. And unless you were living under a rock last year, you likely heard about the revival that happened in Asbury among college students with God's Spirit just pouring out. And we are talking today about the Collegiate Day of Prayer. Baylor University is hosting that. It is happening on Thursday. And if you missed the first two segments, go back and listen where Charlie tells us what it is, how it came to be, and how you can participate. Now, Jason, I want to talk to you. You talked earlier about the engaging the local church and what an important role they have in this. And I would love for you to share with our listeners how churches can engage and participate in the National Day of Prayer and then going forward, not just around an event, but just pouring into the lives of college students in the communities they serve? Yeah, that's a great question. I don't know that you can really um, overstate the significance of older believers casting vision for these younger uh, college-aged believers, for the older believers sharing wisdom and testimonies, uh, for them just to generally encourage the younger believers in what they're doing and in the responsiveness um, that these older believers are praying that the heart posture of younger believers would, uh, would, would, would reflect. 
I think that there is a, an opportunity to lean in and speak into the lives of young believers that are in the college ages uh, in ways that I don't know that they often, um, the older generation, I don't know that they often realize the power and significance that that's having. Um, the, the young believers, they want to hear that. They want to be able to hear those stories. They want to hear what God has done in generations gone by, and I think that's greatly encouraging to them. I'd also encourage uh, believers of all ages to lean in in the ways that that college students typically communicate right now. So as you see college students commenting on Instagram and on other social media platforms that you might be engaged in, I know it was mentioned earlier, but but comment on those things, like those things, repost those things, um, make much of the work that God is doing in the lives of these young adults so that the, the young adults see the affirmation of the body of Christ as they experience things sometimes that they may have never experienced in that fresh of a way before. Uh, we really want to see those things um, celebrated in the body of Christ. I mentioned earlier about giving them opportunities for testimonies, opportunities to tell their stories, because as those college students have to repeat the narrative of what they've seen God do, it's going to be reinforced in their own story uh, as, they, as they tell it time and again to different settings of people. And I think that'll be helpful for them to really answer the question for themselves, what did I just see God do? And what is he doing? actively in my life and in the lives of those around me. So I, I can't wait to see how the body of Christ celebrates this event on Thursday, but then more generally supports young adults as they go and try to, and try to answer the so what question after the what of Thursday. So what is God doing about that? And, and how is he wanting to move? I mean, I'll tell you, uh, sister, my prayer is that God would raise up a generation of people who are willing to put their yes on the table, despite their lack of understanding of all the details related to that yes, that their heart posture would be one of saying, Lord, I am all in. Whatever you ask of me, I'm in. And if we can see Thursday and other events like it, move young adults to see the power and, and eternal significance of having that kind of attitude, I think it'll be huge. I think it'll it'll set conditions for the those that are called into various modalities of lay and vocational leadership. They will begin to, to to step into that with greater and greater confidence. And I think the impact of that on families, communities, congregations, and and the world uh, will be something that is is talked about for many many years to come. And that's my prayer for this week. Amen, 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 and let it be so. And you know, I think right now, actually, about my father-in-law, who is a regular listener, and he is a prayer warrior. Let me tell you, I know right now that he is already making plans to be on his knees on Thursday praying, and I know that there's grandfathers and grandmothers and parents and just supporters everywhere who will be inspired by this message to join in that effort for corporate prayer. And as Charlie shared with us earlier, there is a guide on the Collegiate Day of Prayer uh, website. You can go and look at the National Prayer Guide. They are offering a three-phase approach, praying for an open heaven, praying for an open heart, and praying for an open hand. There also is a Baylor University prayer guide, as Charlie also shared with us, that are called Bear Prayers, Be Filled with the Spirit and the Word. 
engage our affections for others and cultivate empathy for the world. Apply God's word to every part of our lives, putting faith into action and resolve to shine the message of God's kingdom in every area of our lives. So Charlie, I want to ask you, what specific needs would you ask our listeners to lift up on behalf of college students who will be meeting this Thursday for the Collegiate Day of Prayer? You know, one of the characteristics of this generation is to be overwhelmed by by all the noise. There's just a constant bombardment of of, of, of beeps and blips on their phones with a thousand different um questions and answers and, and things just swirl into confusion. And that's led to a pandemic, as you know, of anxiety, of fear, um, of, of just not enough clarity on how to take the next step. And so as we're coming into this time, we're asking that God would, would, would break through that cloud of confusion with a light of clarity, and that students would have, um, I think, freedom in Christ and as they come into that freedom, they'll also have freedom from anxiety and freedom from uh, just the web of confusion that seems to be holding so many. So we're asking, again, agreeing with the National Collegiate Day of Prayer group that we would have an open heaven, that God would move in power, blowing away that cloud of confusion and anxiety uh, over the students. And again, you know, for some of them, the decision is, do I come and attend this event? Or even on a Sunday, do I come and attend church, yes or no? And so much of that is tied with that messaging, with that cloud of noise that that, that holds them back. So asking for a breakthrough and that everyone uh, who is supposed to be there would be there, that they would show up and have this incredible encounter with the Lord. As you know, this generation, more than any, has been marked by by that pandemic of, of mental mm-hmm. health struggles. And so again and again, students bring prayer requests to our office here related to that. We're asking for a move of God in setting them free and bringing wholeness and health. And uh, I know that's something that God is doing and wants to do in this generation. I couldn't agree more, Charlie. And people often ask me, you know, is the mental health pandemic as bad as people are saying it is? And I always say, no, it is infinitely worse than you can imagine. But you also can't imagine what it's like to live in a world that is always on. I think I'm even old enough to remember that about 11 or 12 o'clock at night, the TV would go off and you would have the national anthem and, you know, the bar, the colored bars across the, the screen signaling it's time to go to sleep. But this world is on 24-7. They never have a break from the beeps and the blips, as you said so well, Charlie. And I do just echo your calls that prayer would be for still hearts and still spirits and to be still and to know that God is God and to hear that and to have peace in all of the chaos. Jason, what are your specific requests? Yeah, I just joined my brother in in asking for those things that the National Collegiate Day of Prayer has has articulated that that our brothers up at, at Baylor University have, have communicated um, I, I specifically am asking God to raise up leaders, uh, that he is raising up a group of people that will be able to hear his voice with clarity 
and that they will have the courage to follow him to whatever end and to whatever location and to whatever people he would call them. I want them to have experienced the Lord in a way like the Apostle Paul did, that it motivates them at their core to a point that they can never get over it, that, that, that all the remaining actions of their life go back to that, as you described earlier, the but God moment, that you knew you were dead in your trespasses, you knew he called you to something infinitely better, that he rescued you and you will never get over it. So, yes, I agree with the prayer related to mental health, r- r- agree with the prayer about being able to um, to break the chain of anxiety and so forth. But now that those things are done, we pray, I ask that God would raise up people who are able to be those difference makers in all the different contexts that we've mentioned a couple of times, because I think that that's where we're really going to begin to see the fruit as they step into these God-ordained positions of influence within their families and congregations and communities and their sports teams and their workplaces and, 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 and how they respond to every opportunity for engagement with the world from the point that they uh, are called out to be that leader. So I'm praying that God would raise up leaders. You know, something we're doing here on the Dr. Nurse Mama Show is we are encouraging our listeners and our community to adopt 52 habits for healthy parenting. But the truth is, it's not even just for parents. It's for healthy humans. Just the one habit a week we are looking at over this year to be consistent over time, to really just find our healthy relationships, to really cultivate and find hope for healthy relationships. And the very first habit that we said week one right out of the gate was prayer because we know that this world is difficult. We know we will have trouble in this world, but we can take heart because God has overcome the world and we are not smart enough, wise enough, strong enough, any of the enoughs to be able to do any of this on our own. We need the power of God. And one of the ways that I'm trying to incorporate prayer as a healthy habit into my life even more is to pray on the spot. So when my kids, I have two kids who are in college right now, so they will benefit from your prayers. They, when they ask me, mom, will you pray for me? I stop everything I'm doing. I speak a prayer on a voicemail or on a voice uh, memo, or I will speak it out on a voice text and pray right then. Not just, yeah, I'll pray for you. But yes, I will pray for you right now. And I'm going to ask both of you in just the about four minutes that we have left, if you would each take a couple of minutes, Jason, will you pray for Collegiate Day of Prayer on Thursday and lift these students up? Father, we are asking that you would do a move that we can't explain, that we cannot take the credit for, uh, something that is on a scale that only you Um, can ultimately be accredited with what happens. So, Father, would you move by the way of your Spirit and the power of your Son uh, in this week in specific, uh, emanating from Waco Hall on Thursday, but uh, rippling around the world. Uh, We ask that you would move among your people, specifically among college students, both those that know you and desire to follow you with all of their hearts, and also among the many who don't yet know you. Father, would you find creative ways for your Spirit to draw them, as the Gospel of John promised, to convict us of what wrong looks like, what right looks like, and the consequences of choosing those paths? And would your Spirit be relentless on this generation to move us to a place of obedience and confession and repentance, 
Uh, Father, I pray for the local churches that will support this endeavor all across the nation and the world. Uh, Would you cause them to grow in their love for young adults and not to hold them at arm's length for all the myriad reasons that they could do so? Father, but would you remind us all that we were all young adults at one point? And Father, would you help us to love young adults and to invest the time necessary to to see them as the future leaders that they will one day be, and in many cases already are. Uh, Father, I pray for our brothers and sisters up at Baylor, uh, for the students that will have a principal role in leading this event on Thursday night, and I pray you would just empower them in ways that exceed their experience and training and understanding. Uh, Would you do what only your spirit can do? to help them be responsive to your moves and be able to lead that, that group of folks gathered in that space and all those who participate in a way that's truly memorable. Come, Lord Jesus, we ask in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. And Charlie, I know that you join your brother in that prayer. Would you also speak a prayer for these students and this movement? Lord, we lift our eyes up. You're where our help comes from. Our hope is in you, Lord Jesus, and we glorify your name. We ask that everything we've talked about today and uh, everything that will go on uh, in that broadcast, Lord, would be pleasing to your sight. We're asking for your lordship expressed in every moment. We're asking that there would be just a wave of your spirit across this land. We're asking for a renewal in this generation, for revival in your church. We're asking for great news to echo, uh, Lord, of those who've made a profession for you, even this Thursday, Lord, for leadership testimonies that are going to come up in the days ahead. Lord, we know this is a global event. This is something originating from from right here, but it's going to be heard uh, in China and in Latin America and the Middle East. And so, Lord, we're asking that even now you'd be preparing hearts, you'd be preparing schedules, you'd be bringing the right people to the right places that many will hear, many will believe. Amen. Amen. And I'm asking you to pray this Thursday. We'll see you tomorrow. The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast may not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.